Hello, dog lovers. Thank you for joining me this week. Well, it happened. I either did not take the time to record a new show or I just felt like skipping a week. After four years of weekly shows, I guess I can give myself a pass on one or two. Either way, I have gone through my library of past shows and picked a few that I really like and I still listen to every now and then. These shows were handpicked by me because I thought the message was good and should be replayed at some point. Most of them are well over 100 episodes back, and the only way you could actually listen to that show is to go to my website, familydogfusion.com. They may not have been the most popular or the most downloaded shows. They're just shows that I feel have a great message and that you will learn something new every time you listen. Now remember, these are past shows and they are very dated. I will be talking about things that I've done in the past um, or requesting things from you that, you know, I requested two or three years ago. Just ignore all that banter and any requests that we had. Again, they're two or three years old, so just ignore it all. And with no further delay, let's see what I've picked for you. This is Discover Your Dog, the show that demystifies your dog's behavior so you can get the best results from your dog training. If you are listening to this podcast, we already know you're a dog lover. But are you a dog hugger? Chances are your dog's not enjoying that as much as you are. This episode, we're going to discuss nine things that you do that annoy the crap out of your dog. How many are you guilty of? I'm Leslie Hankins, and this is Discover Your Dog, episode 114, where we demystify your dog's crazy behavior and bring a little sanity back into your life. As always, I am joined with dog lover and people trainer extraordinaire, Benny Copeland. Benny, in preparation for the show, I looked through your list and I have to say, after reading it, it's a wonder my little monkey hasn't committed me for doing all the wrong things. Um, the hugging one, especially, I'm a huge offender. So please tell me that there is some hope. <laughs> I don't know if there's any hope for you at all, Leslie. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. It's true. It's so sad. Maybe for your dog. I don't uh, know. You know I, I think that's interesting because there are a lot of things that we do. And, you know, small dogs like that, too. And you've talked about it where you carry monkey around with you, where you, uh, you know, is monkey a boy? Yeah. Monk well, okay. yes. Monkey's a boy. <laughs> he's a neutered boy, but he's this, still right? a boy. Right. So, um, uh, you know, you pick him up, you hold on to him. And I think that that's very normal, especially with small dogs. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is, and it's, I think the title is really strong, like nine things your dog hates about you. And yet it's really just things that, you know, you're doing that dogs really just don't understand. It's just not good communication. And that's what we're going to discuss is some of those things, you know, nine of those things. Uh, because, you know, we've talked about some of the items in the past. And then there's some that I do realize that are going to be future show topics on their own. Like one of these little things we're going to talk about, like the hugging thing. I think that that could be its own own show on its own. And 
you know, so we'll go very in depth into some of these things. And then some of them, you know, we're just really kind of putting together a good conglomeration of things that you may be doing that your dog just doesn't really understand what you're doing or why you're doing it. Definitely. I have just the small dog. You, I pick him up. I carry him around. And and I looked at that and I was just like, oh, my gosh, what am I? How am I communicating to my dog? And it's not just my dog. It's people like I even know that there are tons of books out there about like what you're saying and how other people hear it. You know, men are from Mars, mm -hmm. women are from Venus or whatever that is. I mean, there's <laughs> there's all these different things. And the fact that I never even thought about, you know, of course, we're even different species. We're not human and human. This is human and animal. And and right. I always figured that if I enjoyed it, well, of course, my puppy loves this, too. Shocker, he might not. So um, uh, it was it was such an informative list. I love these nine things. They really made me think about my actions differently. And I'm excited that we're going to be sharing them with, you know, everyone that's listening to this podcast. And that's funny that you brought up the book, you know, the men from Mars, women from Venus book. And and. I bet. I mean, we could probably do a show on nine things that men do that women don't understand and right. nine things that women do that men don't understand. You know, I mean, we could 90 do 90 things, not nine. Right, right, right. Oh, it could be 90 things in this dog. I'm sure in the dog episode as well. Right. And and that's really what it is. It comes down to and, you know, we've, we you and I just had a really great conversation prior to starting recording about about that communication, how it really comes down to confidence and awareness, like being very confident in what you're doing, being okay that if you do something and realize that doesn't work, to change it, to be wrong about it and to move on and to be aware of what you're doing. Because without that awareness, you'd never know. You'd never be able to be wrong if you didn't have an awareness of what you were communicating or you know, what you just said or what you physically just did or, or those things. And, and too many times, I think that that's how we live. We just live in this mode of being asleep. We're just going through the motions. And that's how we communicate with our dogs as well. Oh, everything you just said has been like my, my entire life. And especially with my pets, just, you know, it wasn't because I didn't want to communicate better. I just didn't know how, didn't even think about it. And continued on in the way that I was that I was functioning, and um, it's not like they were really complaining to me. Um, so it, it right. really, you know, I had nothing to go off of, and um, so I had to read this and understand that I wasn't always right. I have to now, now that I have this knowledge, I have the ability to approach it differently, do things differently, right. so that our communication is better and. The thing I love about it is, especially after talking to you, like not only my communication with my dog will be better, but my communication with people, my communication with you on this podcast, understanding mm -hmm. each other, being responsible, setting my own boundaries, being confident. I mean, these are these are lessons I could take everywhere. So I'm super excited. Right. Absolutely. And those that's kind of the uh, hidden agenda. I feel like that when Devin and I started this, you know, that we were given some of that information as well. You know, the great thing, though, and before we get into the main topic, because um, I'm definitely ready to talk about those things. The main thing, though, is that you have to be aware, too, that dogs and people also adjust. We make changes. So let's say, for example, Leslie, you and I are in a relationship 
and I'm a very touchy, huggy, you know, person, and you aren't. Like you don't like to be touched and hugged and things like that. At some point, if you're willing to, you know, just adjust a little bit, just so that you know we can continue this great relationship, you're going to be okay with that. You're going to start to be okay with that I'm touching and you may not still be okay with other people doing that, but you're going to start to learn and to adjust to that. And I think that that's what Mm. dogs do too. Um, It was interesting that you sent that really silly video across to me about this girl that, you know, found out that dogs don't like hugs and here she is. She's so upset because her (laughs) dogs, you know, mad at her now. Like she's made this assumption that her dogs, and I'll bet you that dog just adjusted that just, just learned to accept the hugs from her and it was okay right. you know and in that moment she now was totally and truly upset about something that really made no difference at this point because the dog just adjusted that's a great thing about dogs they're much easier to adjust into new things and situations than we are oh yeah so, <laughs> way so. way better and, right. and i love that uh, in that video i'm sure uh, if you guys haven't seen it you should probably google hugging dogs girl crying i'm sure you'll find it um <laughs> that's how i found it and in, in the thing that even later on in the video that just goes to show how much I think we, uh, I know I want to make it all about like what I understand. It, when she learned that dogs didn't like hugs, she still did the anthrop- anthropomorphizing. Did I say that right? Right, right. Um, I, I don't know. The, 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 <laughs> no, no s- someone can, can call and correct me there. Um, that the dog would be mad. Like that that was like she's still like putting that on on the dog and and you're right like the dogs just adjust and um you know maybe some dogs are more adjusting than others monkeys put up with a lot for me so <laughs> um i'm very excited this is this is fun and that you know this is the thing i mean um that word that you said i believe is where people give human characteristics to dogs right yeah yeah is that the word you're talking okay i don't know that word either that's why i say the definition (laughs) that's a good way to get around it so you know that's really what we're going to be talking about today and so in the main topic we're going to i've picked out nine things that you do that could be really weird to your dog you know so and it doesn't mean that they haven't adjusted because i've seen dogs adjust to all of those things all of these things that we're going to talk about and it's just weird it's just that we do things very differently than dogs and this is going to be to me kind of this eye-opening thing going oh yeah that really means something different to me that doesn't mean to my dog so i'd like to uh count our blessings and get into this main topic So let's get into the nine things that you do that could be construed as very weird to your dog. (laughs) Number one, petting a dog on its head or on its face. What? Why are we taught that this is okay? I mean, I even do it because that's where you naturally reach out and your dog, the dog is typically right there looking at you. And then here you are touching him on the top of his head. Or on his face. And, and if you've ever seen where an adult or a kid will go over the top of a dog head, instantly they look up, they look back and, and actually did a little bit of research on this. And I really couldn't find anything to me that made any sense other than the fact that, you know, you don't have a lot of trust with this dog yet. This especially if it's a dog the very first time that you've met him, like Oz never would do that to me. He allows me to touch him on the head. And anybody knew he does. He moves his head up and this puts your hand right in line with their mouth. So if there is something that's going to go on, I mean, there's already that natural instinct, you know, and this 
it also to me it kind of suggests like why don't we why is our greetings not where you reach out and touch someone in the belly i mean literally this is where your hands are <laughs> right <laughs> you know why do we have to shake hands or move our hands up or you know we even put our hands up to hug and things like that why is that the way that we greet why isn't that we didn't do something silly like you know reaching out and touching someone on their belly or their hip or, oh, <laughs> i know right even sounds weird. awkward saying so- it <laughs> i know but yet we're really willing to reach out and touch a dog on the head or in the face yeah. huh. you know so that's a big one that you know dogs just typically don't understand another number two you talk and you talk a lot and you talk all the time I think I looked at uh, some studies and on average, we say somewhere between 20 and 30,000 words a day. Oh, wow. That's a lot of talking. Yeah. And think about this. Most times your dog has no idea what you're saying when you talk to your dog or you're talking to your friends or you're talking to your family and you talk and you talk and you talk and your dog has no clue unless there's some big body language or some tone that your dog recognizes that's normal for them. And so this is why your dog just most of the time doesn't even pay attention to you because you talk all the time. <laughs> so would you number three, would you say, oh, wait, go ahead. I'm sorry. really quickly, let's go back to number two, just to say, is that something that they just tune out? Do they just hear noises? And I know you're not like in the dog's head to answer that, but um, are they just waiting to hear keywords that they can, you know, clue in on? I don't even know that they're waiting to hear key words like for example i can talk about the sit command the come command the heel command the down command and my dog's not going to be doing a sit and a down and a heel because he knows those words because he's heard those words because my tone is in a way that i'm talking to him so i do believe it's kind of like what you said where they just tune us out like we're just tuned out and which makes it when you're trying to get your dog's attention that you have to do something different because all your normal tones and all your normal talk has been you know basically tuned out by so kids are are, uh, like dogs are like teenagers where they just kind of tune all of the noise out yeah i I would that's a really good comparison yes (laughs) yeah that they've just learned to to ignore you right exactly what what is it uh my uh ex-wife used to say i had selective hearing oh that's hilarious (laughs) oh funny story totally off topic I found out that my dad couldn't hear certain high pitches. And then my mom was like, well, that might be why we stayed married for so long. <laughs> he just couldn't she hear could yell at him and he just, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, good, okay. good. Number three. Number three. Number three, humans hug. Oh. This makes no sense to a dog. I know. Now I've seen, you know, you, you probably know of things in your life where you might be sitting next to someone or hugging someone. Then all of a sudden your dog's like trying to break you up, like mm, going in between. Yeah. You. I've also seen dogs do this with dog. It's actually a behavior. It's called a separation behavior because dogs don't understand that kind of contact. I mean, they don't have the physical ability to hug, even though some dogs I have seen hug or hump you know, people <laughs> or, or, and, and it seems like it And boxers are really bad about it. like boxer. This is a big boxer behavior that they hug like they'll actually grab a hold and it's still not the hug. Like, you know, if you think about a hug in human terms, you're hugging and then patting them on the back. It looks like you might be hitting them, you know, <laughs> to your dog. Even. So hugs are weird. Like it's just, you know, that's weird. And they're not they don't do that to each other. That's not how they communicate. Now, again, this is a big one that dogs get used to. 
like especially a domesticated dog, especially a small dog, you know, they're going to get used to a hug or, or grab, you know, very quickly. I even tell, I've told people in past episodes that it's good to pick up your dog every now and then so that your dog gets used to that when the situation calls for it, like at the vet's office or something else that, you know, your dog's at least been used to it. Number four, and I didn't number these. So if I get off track, let I'll me know. You on target. Thank you. Number four, humans react very different in some of the many same situations. In other words, in the same exact situation, you may get angry. You may just give up on it. You may just sometimes you're amused by it. Um, for example, like barking. Okay. So sometimes your dog is barking and it hits at a time that you're annoyed about it. And sometimes your dog is barking and you're very happy that they're protecting you. And then sometimes your dog is, is barking and then it's just funny at what they're barking at. So you react as a human very different into many of the same situations. Well, dogs with a reactive type behavior, they act the same way in just about every situation when it's consistent, when it's consistent. So this is very weird to a dog that you react very different in some of a lot of the same situations. Number five, we are very weird when it comes to eye contact. Now, on the dog side of that, and I, I've said in the past that you're doing one of two things. You're either praising or challenging your dog. And there are so many people that I see that they look at their dog in a way that they seemingly are challenging their dog or they're punishing their dog with their eye contact, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and, and the truth is the dog knows them. So the dog knows by the facial expression, whether they're serious or not. Even if you think you're challenging your dog they're, and they're ignoring you, it's because they got it. You're not serious in this situation. People, hu humans are, we're really weird about eye contact. Um, have you ever, have you ever been at a place, Leslie, and um, you look around or you kind of feel like somebody may be looking and you look around and you see all of a sudden you've contacted eye eyes with say some guy across the room right yeah and you realize ooh, i don't want anything to do with this <laughs> yes very so you look away quickly right yes and you may even cross your arms and do things like this because women are very good at that uh -huh. like you, you you know that you get it that that eye contact is very important with a guy we want to make eye contact with you but we don't get it like even if even if you were to do that with me, I might still come over, you know, <laughs> even though you've given me this, this great form of, Hey, I don't want to yeah, talk to you. Body language of turning right, my back right? on you. <laughs> Crossing your arms. And as you know, guys, we just don't get it. And that's why we do that a lot with dogs, because we think that we can punish our dogs or correct the dog just with eye contact. And eye contact is really weird to dogs. Um, actually, Tam sent me this study and it was really interesting. It was about puppy eyes. So have you ever seen a dog make puppy eyes? Oh, yeah. Right. Well, what dogs, domesticated dogs have learned and through research that we've learned is that dogs only make puppy eyes to humans. They never make puppy eyes to other dogs because it doesn't make any sense. Huh. And yet my kind of theory on that is, is that when a dog gives you puppy eyes, what do you do? Aww. Oh, you melt, Jesus, you give all this puppy. attention, it becomes... They get picked yeah. up, they get touched, they get, you know, all these things. And so dogs don't do that to each other. <laughs> why would they make puppy eyes at each other? It just wouldn't make sense. But it was a really good study. Yeah. Number six, you try to force your dog to do things that she clearly does not want to do. And it's just not normal 
for domesticated dogs. Now, some of these things are like I, I even talked about um, dogs uh, in anxious situations, like trying to get a dog around a baby. Like this doesn't make sense to mm. me, right? Now, if it's something that's normal or natural and the dog is, is naturally curious and I know it's a good dog, great. I, I'm okay with that. To force a dog to be around a kid or a baby, I think is very detrimental to that dog and can be very detrimental in that situation if you're not careful. So, you know, enforcing your dog to meet other dogs, like just let them do it on their own because this is can be, you know, dogs don't get this. Like they just want to do things on their own. Riding in a car, that's really weird to a dog. You know, this thing is moving them around. I even now, even to this day, as many times as I take eyes in my car and he loves to go in my car, don't get me wrong. He very rarely will lay down in the car. He's usually sitting or standing because it, he wants to see, he wants to be up, he wants to, you know, be a part of it. And I don't think he feels really good when, you know, I'm turning corners and he's laying down. And he has no mm-hmm. balance. Another thing that's weird for a dog is like going up and down stairs. Like we always want to force the dog to learn to go up and down the stairs. And this is not a normal activity for a dog to go up and down stairs. And another one of those things that could be very weird to a dog because we try to force these things on him. I've always wondered what my dog thinks when he's like got his, you know, he's riding in the car. Does he think he's like running at like 40 miles per hour or 60 miles per hour? Right. (laughs) I don't know if he thinks he's running. You know, obviously he's sitting still, (laughs) but I, you know, I don't even know, like, do they get the concept that you're moving like that? Maybe maybe they think they're flying. Could be a future episode. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I love it. All right. Number seven. You go on walks just for walks, just for exercise, never to just explore. And this is really weird to a dog, right? I mean, dogs want to get their nose in the ground. They want to pee on things. They want to go check this out. They want to chase the scent of that squirrel or that rabbit or that cat that they, you know, saw. They want to go after that last thing that they saw. They want to explore. They want to be out. They want to do these things that like if you ever went into just the woods or and I know I go walking with Oz in the woods every now and again and I let him off his leash, right? And we're going in the woods and he just goes everywhere. Like he's just exploring. He's checking things out. And then I keep moving and I'll call him to me every now and again just to make sure he's keeping up. And, you know, typically I don't even have to do that. Well, Molly, she was great. Like she never got out of my sight. She would just wander around the woods, but she loved it. I mean, this is where her nose got its opportunity to do its thing, you know? And we, as humans, just go on walks, not to explore, not to do this. That's really weird to a dog, Hmm. you know? Why aren't you smelling this? Come here. This this is cool. (laughs) You should check this out, you know? Right. Number eight, you keep a very tight rein on your dogs at all times. There are so many times that in a training situation, I have to make the owner aware that that leash is tight. They're not giving their dog an opportunity to make choices on their own. They've got that leash tight. They're pulling it around, even though and, and there's a couple of things that happen here. Like, number one, a dog thinks the leash has to be tight in order to move. And that's why they keep pulling the leash. Or number two, you never give your op- dog an opportunity to actually make choices, to be able to correct the choice you don't want and praise for the choice you do want. Because you're constantly guiding and making your dog. It's so funny when I come into a situation where I've been training an owner for two or three weeks. And then I'll say, okay, make your dog do a heel. And the dog happens to be on the opposite side of where it's supposed to be. So instead of just moving their body, they grab that leash and just jerk their dog to the le- their left side. And I'm like, okay, 
you, I just said do a heel. I didn't say jerk your dog around, you know, and, and do that. And that's what happens is that owners end up keeping their dog in a very, very tight leash and never given an opportunity. And that's very, very weird for a dog, especially after what we just talked about. They love to explore. Right, yeah. I, I, especially if I'm with a dog that I don't know very well. I, for some reason, think that if I tighten up on the leash, like I've got more control, which is totally ridiculous. It's not the truth. Right. And it's it's a human reaction that I feel better about it. And it's, you know, hard to get through my skull. It's that control thing, yeah. Leslie, you have. It's <laughs> that control thing that you have. It totally is. I'm not controlling at all, listeners. I promise. <laughs> all right. Um, number nine. And the last thing. People have a tendency to tease or do tricks on a dog. Right. And I see this all the time. Like the, the main thing that I see that, that pops out of my head is like someone will grab a ball or a stick or something that the dog clearly wants to chase and then they'll fake throw it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, why did you do that? <sighs> they just want to see the dog jerk around to go after and then not see it and then come back. Like, why did you <laughs> fake throw it? You know, I never and, and thought of that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I've done that in the past. I don't do it anymore because it's one of those things that I've always thought, wow, that's that's really weird. Like, why would you do that to a dog? You know, that's the biggest thing that I see like on a trick, but I also see like, especially smaller kids, sometimes they'll poke a dog or pull its tail or pull on its ears and they'll tease on the dog. Like they Mm -hmm. tease it. Like, and, and again, one of those things that I've been guilty of, you know, just kind of poking and prodding at the dog and, you know, trying to get a reaction out of the dog. And that's dogs just, they don't do that to each other. Now, sometimes they'll do that, but typically when they do it, it's because they want the other dog to play or to chase or to do something anyway. So they're doing it with this purpose of, hey, play with me, chase me, things like that. Humans have a tendency to do it with no purpose at all, because then when the dog plays, they're like, ah, quit it, you know, stop. I've even seen kids in a session go in, pick at a dog, and then all of a sudden the dog's coming back and starts playing, then running and crying because the dog jumped up on them or things like that. And and I've seen, you know. Again, like where kids have this tendency to want to do these things to the dog. And then when the dog actually reacts to him, because in the normal sense of it, if you're going to pick up me, you must want to play. Then the dog starts to play with a kid and the kid doesn't want to play at all. And so it really, really was more of a tease than anything else. And that's our nine topics. And in today's homework, we're going to talk about. What do you do to help through these situations? Like, what do you do to get things to create it that you are more aware of how you're behaving and what's weird and not weird to your dog? Okay, for your homework this week, it's going to be about testing your dog's boundaries without really going overboard. And this exercise is more of an awareness exercise. It's one of those things where you know you're going to get your dog into specific situations that you're very aware of how your dog's going to behave because you've already done things. You've pre-tested your dog, for example, or gone to, and and I'll give some really good examples of it because I have some clients that I've actually been working with recently on helping them through this process. First of all, before you go into any big, big distractive situations like maybe a baseball game or or a festival or a big party that you're going to go to that dogs are allowed, take your dog first to where there may be fewer people. Now, the best example I've got is that I just met with a client of mine and we went 
downtown uh, Franklin and on a Monday afternoon. So there were, this is a very big touristy place and this is a very popular place. And at lunchtime, there were a lot of people down there and in no way was it super crowded by any means. Had we been on the main drag, we would have probably had maybe, I don't know, 50 to 100 people pass us in the time that we had lunch, for example. <sighs> Except we went around the corner and we were about two, uh, two or three buildings down from the main drag. And we had about, I don't know, 10 to 15 people pass us, even a couple that had dogs. So we had a really good representation of what could happen in a big situation. The problem is in the big festivals and things like that, all you can do is react to the behavior. And if you've not practiced it at this point, then you're going to be you're going to be very upset. You're going to be you know wondering why didn't your dog, you know, why did your dog behave in a certain way or things like that? So. Anytime that you're going to expose your dog, even to like kids or, or babies, or you know that you're going to have this practice, like get your dog around an older kid that's going to be easier on your dog and then younger and younger until your dog can get used to those situations, things like that. Another thing that you can do and that would really help in this situation is just teach your dog the basic commands, the basic sit, the basic down, uh, you know, things to focus on you. And that way, when you're in these situations, even if your dog has the basic commands, you can at least have something to get your dog either distracted or to stop paying attention to what is paying attention. Now, you do understand and in, in the shows I've talked about in the past that these basic commands don't have anything to do with behavior other than their practice for you. So that's a great opportunity. Practice, 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 practice with your dog doing the commands and do more and more and more distractions. Um, as you practice and the better your dog gets. Another thing that you can do around your dog and a big awareness thing is be very aware of your emotional state. Your emotional state triggers very specific body languages and voice tones when you're with and around your dog and other people as well. It's just that people aren't really good at picking up on it and your dog's going to be very good at picking up on this. So in other words, if you're extremely nervous, your dog's going to pick up on that nervousness and one of two things are going to happen. They're going to either get nervous with you or they're going to become very protective. If you have, if you're really tense, your dog's going to be tense. If you are very angry, your dog may not know how to respond to this. If you're extremely excited and happy, your dog's going to be extremely excited and happy. And with these energy states, you have to recognize that, that this is transferring to your dog. And you need to be very aware in a situation where you might be really excited and happy that your dog might be jumping up on people or doing things. So be very aware of what your emotional state is prior to going into any situation. And the last thing, and I think is the most important thing, if you know you're going to have people around, or if you know you're going to go into situations where your dog could possibly, you're just not sure about the behavior, and your dog continues to react or act in a certain way, after three times, put your dog up. Remember, your dog is your responsibility. If this dog gets so tense or so nervous and then ends up biting someone because you didn't recognize those signs and you didn't put your dog up, then what's going to happen is that you're the one that gets to be responsible for that. No matter what you think, no matter what you told other people, you know, you can't train your guest. So be sure to train your dog. And that means if you're in a situation where your dog is acting very upset, very nervous, very excited, 
and you've worked on it two or three times and your dog's still in that same state, put your dog up. Get them out of the situation. Allow the opportunity for you and your dog to be separate for a little bit. And it's not really a timeout so much as it's just, hey, we need to take a break right now because you're going to get frustrated. Your dog's going to get frustrated and it's really going to end up in worse results. So that's your homework for this week to be very aware of your personal surroundings and to create boundaries without going overboard. So in summary, we talked about the things you may be doing that your dog does not understand about you. We hopefully created an awareness of some of the weird things that you do that your dog doesn't understand. And your homework is to test your dog's tolerance to different situations without going overboard. So Benny, my last question is if they respond or if they don't understand the human hug, what's the dog equivalent? What could I give my dog that would be emotionally similar <laughs> on my level? Tell me something. That's great. Um, wow, that's good. I never really even thought about that. Um, because if we're going to create a problem, we should have a we solution. We should fix right? it. I have found that there are three or four spots that a dog really, really loves to be um, pet, petted on. Um, one is right behind the ears. Mm -hmm. So right behind the ears, um, kind of on the shoulders. Dogs love to be pet. I'm touching myself there as I, as I talk. <laughs> So, so dogs weird. love to be, yeah. <laughs> see, humans do weird things, right? You're going to pet your belly um, next. Right. I'm petting. Right. Right. Uh, that's, that's not one of the things that I would have said because some dogs don't like that. Right. So if a dog does expose its belly, yes, be just rub its belly and you can rub its chest and its belly and things like that. And they're going to love it. But if a dog doesn't expose its belly, don't go after it. Don't try to make the dog roll over. Don't try to make, again, that's forcing a dog to do something it doesn't really want to do. Um, the other place I found is on the chest, right between the two front legs, um, on the chest, dogs love to be rubbed there. And I always say that that should be your first, uh, on a dog that you've never met or you, you know, you're going to uh, pet, that should be your first place to go to touch is on the chest. Because what happens is your hand is now below the dog. You've set yourself up in a more of a sub submissive position so that the dog actually can see everything that you're doing prior to you doing it. And there's not a lot of question. They see what you're doing, right? Your whole body language is there usually. And so it's a great way. And dogs typically love their chest rubbed. They love behind their ears rubbed. Some dogs like their belly rubbed. And again, never force anything on a dog. So if they don't want to be touched, then, you know, be cognitive of that and, and, you know, allow them their space as well. Monkey does like his Great butt question. scratched. I do have to admit yeah. that. <laughs> biggie, biggie butt rubs. We've talked about them. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Have you given your dog a treat recently? And I don't mean a dog biscuit or a bone. I mean the gift of time and your attention. From this episode, we learned that we might not always be communicating in the same language as our pets. So that's why you need to order this book now. And I mean, Family Dog Fusion, the book. And take time to get to know your loved one. They are worth it. You are worth it. And what better gift can you give your relationship than communication and understanding? Uh, with a little dash of Benny humor thrown in. So go get the book, Family Dog Fusion. It's at Amazon.com. Uh, we'll also provide a link in the show notes or you can grab it on our Facebook page. And if you're an Amazon Prime customer, you will have the Family Dog Fusion book in two days in your hands and you never have to get out of your PJs. 
Two days in your PJs. Two days in the PJs. You spent that time, two days in your PJs. I spent 12 <laughs> days in my PJs. I, lo- I want your job. Show notes for this episode are available at familydogfusion.com slash episode 114. If you're listening to the show on Stitcher or Google Play, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other dog lovers find our show and learn more about their dog. And if you want more dog training tips and info, go to familydogfusion.com slash register to get your free ebooks and dog training video. All right, everybody, keep your hugs to your humans. And be impeccable with your dog. I have four scars on my belly from the gallbladder removal. I named them all after the uh, scars guard, all the actors. (laughs) (laughs) What did you name your gallbladder? Remind me. Gina. My gallbladder was Gina. (laughs) But then the one that played it is the one that's hidden in my belly button. The the one that played it? Yeah, Uh, Bill Skarsgård played it. Yeah. And then there's there's the hot one over here that's Alexander (laughs) Skarsgård. And then there's the other Skarsgård that's fairly noticeable. And that's the one that you never see acting. I have no clue who any of those people are. Moving on.